stories just to walk to you and say I really do adore you and I'm hoping that you stay This feeling lasts forever, it could never go away And it sounds so crazy, it really made my day uh, hello everyone, I'm Cram and this is The Tune In, Pedestrian's podcast getting to know our pick of some of Australia's most exciting emerging acts heading into 2020. We're brought to you by our good friends at Jack Daniels and we're here at the ESPY, the iconic Australian music venue, the legendary ESPY in St Kilda in Melbourne, the greatest music city in the world. And today for my next interview, I, it's my great pleasure to have Wave Racer here with me for a chat, basically to tell me where he's at, where he's been, where he's going, and all his thoughts on life, love, and the universe, and of course, music. So will you please welcome Mr. Tom Purcell, AKA Wave Racer. Thank you for having me, it's great to be here. Great to see you, man. So I wanted to ask you first, because when I looked up, some of your stuff, I just always drawn by the word producer and what does it actually mean? I remember um, um, a situation quite a few times when we would be touring the States and um, someone told me that whenever you enter America, write down your occupation as producer, not musician, because if it's a musician, they won't trust you and they'll check your bag. Our guitar player just refused to do that. He's like, I'm not a producer, I'm a musician. Would always get his bag checked. I actually was like, I think I'm onto this and I wrote it down, never got my bag checked once. But it also um, uh, brings the actual question to my mind of what it actually means. I know in film there's an element of um, responsibility attached to it. Someone who's sort of responsible for the production but isn't the director. In music it feels like it's almost bringing those two things together. Someone who has the ability in the studio to create work but also someone who's bringing the whole thing together. I just wanted to know from your perspective, being a producer yourself, what that word actually means to you. That's a really good question. Um, firstly, I actually always put musician on my on my thing oh, for really? entering the States <laughs> and I probably should change that now because that sounds like really good advice. You are actually a producer, brother. Well, so, yeah. I am. I'm, I, it's true, I am more of a producer yeah. than a musician, but I never thought, I thought I had to be like more literal. I don't know. Yeah, oh, it's I'm like, it's like that. putting architect down or something yeah, yeah, instead, of, instead of like bricky yeah, or something. It's know? right, they probably ask way, <laughs> way fewer questions if you just put producer. But So I'm going to do that moving forward. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's a good question. Um, being a producer, it takes a long. It took me a long time to figure out what it actually, what that word meant in terms of music, because, mm. like you said, it does mean a different thing depending on if you're talking about producing a film or producing music. And in music, it's like the production is kind of like the entire. I always imagine it as being like the process of creating, uh, making a physical or like listenable product out of an idea. So you've got okay. you've got an idea in your head about what you want the song to sound like or what you want a song. How, do, how you want a song to exist. And it's a producer's job to figure out how you turn it from a thought into an actual product. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of how I've always viewed it. And I'm very much interested in like the, the sonics and the sound design elements of music. So how, how the sounds are crafted. So when I was listening to music that inspired me, I would think about like the actual shape and tonality of the kick drums and like, yeah. and like the brightness and sharpness of certain percussion sounds and, and the smoothness of certain bass sounds and stuff. And I'm thinking about like almost the sculptural elements of those sounds that make them unique and make them exciting. A, a bit like almost like crossing a composer with say someone who's doing an installation. Yeah. Like almost three-dimensional... Um, composition. That's exactly right. Do you remember 
any of those really early tracks, like when you were a kid, where you had that kind of sonic um, realization? And also, can you remember like having that? Like, it's like, that's because it's such a trip. Like, so many people, it's like, I love this song and what it's saying. But it's a bit like, um, watching the first scene of Star Wars and going instead of going, oh, my God, my mind is blown to go, wow, I wonder how they did that. I really like that effect. Exactly. You know? Yeah, no, that's... So what are some of those tracks that you can remember? It's a good question. Um, I think uh, it probably comes down to certain artists rather than tracks. I think when my first, uh, like, my first exploration into the, the, pr- the, the way that electronic music can function, which is what got me into music production, I was listening to... Um, artists like Justice from France who like the Ed Banger label who does that really that that back in like 2006 and 7 they were doing that hard electro stuff and it was like the most hard hitting percussion and drums you could hear in any music ever and I was just like blown away by how that sounded and I was I had no idea how it was happening I didn't know what compression was or what EQ was or like how they were managing to make the sound so loud and big and explosive Mm. and I remember hearing that stuff when I was probably 15 or 16 and being like I wish I knew how I could do that fast forward to now you know you've you've written a lot of tracks Uh, I love um auto by the way I think it's sick man it's really cool so awesome yeah I'm actually really proud of that one it's probably one of my favorite are you singing on that is that your that is my voice that's so cool it's really good thank you but just how the process of writing and producing at the same time now that you've you know have been doing it and you've got a fair bit of experience in that in um, that realm, of just like you can immediately lock into a production quality even before you start writing the actual song. Yes. Is that how it works? Kind of, it, it was at first, and when I first dove into this stuff, it was very much like I want to know how I can produce that sound, and I go and I'll be like. I'll analyze the sound from the bottom up. So what I would initially do is I would be like, okay, how did they make that snare drum sound so big? And then I would Mm. take a snippet of that actual recording from the the sound that I was drawn to and I would analyse like how it sat in the spectrum analyzer when I looked on the computer. Like I got really nerdy and technical with it. Do you mean like the timbre? The the actual um, depth of the sound, the sonic nature of it, how how deep and... Because it's it's almost like you're... It's almost like you're thinking architecturally about materials and how not just how they they feel but how they behave and their effect on us because the, the weird thing about this type of music is it's just as powerful and as exciting live even some in some ways more so because the sounds can be even like the Star Wars concept yeah. of just like larger than life um, and fans, I mean I'm sure a lot of them have this kind of knowledge but a lot of them probably don't care yeah. and are just loving this experience. So it's almost like you're creating something that could have come from outer space. I've always loved that about it, you know. Yeah, no, it is kind of like that. And I think for some reason, for whatever reason, my brain and my ears are very drawn to the idea of knowing how how something exists sonically. Mm. Like why does something sound the way it sounds and why does that impact that it gives me when I hear it, how do I replicate that kind of thing? Yeah. So that's a big driving factor for when I'm creating my music. It's like I want to know how I can generate that feeling myself and how it came to exist. So when I'm building stuff, when I'm building like a sound or a song or whatever, I'll be like thinking about the 
the rudimentary and fundamental elements of the sounds that I'm working with. Mm. And that's a really important thing because, like you said, most people don't think about that or care about that mm. when they're hearing a song. They just want a song that sounds exciting and fun. But they're affected by it. They are that, affected when by When that it. thing does happen. It's like they don't even really know that they're being affected yeah, by it, yeah. but they are. And yeah. a, as a producer, I think that's one of my jobs to figure out how to do those things. Do you think that the songwriting process is the same though in, the, in terms of like auto is a good example where you know, structurally the lyric and the way that you're performing it still very much a song. Yeah. And if so, if that is correct, when do those lyrics start to manifest themselves? Because that's a human element to the track that sort of exists outside a lot of this more architectural concept and just interested in how you approach the vocals. That's a great question. And to be honest with you, this that song is the first time that I've ever used my own vocal. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. So oh, it's sick. actually it's quite a new endeavour for me. Oh, um, it's really cool. Yeah, and it's exciting for me and I'm going to be doing a lot more of that yeah. in the future and I am doing more of that. But uh, it is, it's, a, it's a great way to think about it. Like there's the production side and then there's the song side. So mm. it's almost like two different activities or two different tasks mm. and usually one comes first. It's not always the same process and there's no real hard and fast rules that are followed but... In the case of that song, I think it was I, ha- I, I started the song with a concept and I start every song with a concept, whether that may be... Um, you mean an ideological concept, no, a no, sonic concept? I mean a sonic concept yeah. usually. So the, the sonic concept is usually like, okay, I want to create... I think for that song what I wanted was I wanted to create something that sounded like an, an automobile, like a motor. Yeah, sick. And I was like messing with synthesizers tuned really low. It's and very like, craft work. Kind Euro, of, yeah. Europe, slightly Daft Punk Doing way like to think. D- I was messing with distortions and like pitch bending synthesizers mm. and stuff so that they sounded like a grumbling sort of motor thing and it was really textural. And I, I was messing with these sounds and then I was like, when I had a sound that I thought was cool, I put a beat behind it. And that's none of that ended up being in the final song yeah, yeah. Um, except maybe some of the drums or something. But then from that concept, I got the idea of the whole auto concept um, yeah. being like automobile, automatic, stuff like that. And then from that, I was like, okay, now I've got this, I've got like a sonic foundation for an idea, a musical idea here. And then I was like, now I can think about how I can craft this into a song that's actually got a song structure. Mm. And so then I was like, okay, I can write lyrics based around this concept. And that's kind of what I stuck to. And I, the lyrics, I mean, the auto concept was something that had a bit of a double meaning. It was not just relating to like... Um, it was it was relating to like things like automation and how emotions yes. should feel, how we should feel automatically drawn to things and and like how how things are meant to be dictated and is a kind of a more um, what's the word esoteric meaning to it as well. And melodically speaking, the actual words themselves. Did you just start singing that? No, oh, that sounds pretty good. Or or or, did, or you you wrote it on on keyboard and then fit. The words in. I, I I think in that instance, it's different every time. But in that case, I think I had an, a, a rhythmic idea for how I wanted the vocal the, that the came from you just from singing along. Yeah, to so it? Yeah. I would usually just jam along. Yeah, um, see, that's sick. Yeah, and I, I have a I use my iPhone with voice memos, and I just yeah. like jam ideas into there. And I say, I have, if I have a rhythm, I don't necessarily mm. have to know the lyric. I can just be like gibberish in the rhythm that I want to capture and then I'll have that as a voice memo as like a reminder or a note of what I want the song to be and then when I'm writing the lyrics I can make that fit into that rhythm. Okay, um, this is the part of the show where um, I change chairs with Tom and instead of me interviewing him, he's going to interview me. So take it away, Tom. Okay, well I do have one question for you um, and that is because you are someone who's worked in the music industry for a long time, a lot longer than I have, Mm. um, do you find that now 
you understand more about how everything works or less because everything has changed so much and things are constantly changing? In other words, do you think that the longer you've worked in this industry and the more you've discovered has helped you to figure out the way that things work and the best way to work in this industry? Or do you think that the constant shifting and learning and growing about new things makes things just more confusing for you? I think um, with regards to myself, much better. In terms of the bigger old school questions, sort of the ancient questions, who am I? How do I feel about myself? What do I think about what other people think of me? Do I feel like I need to get myself out there all the time or or not at all? Like just different things where I think when I was younger, I was always worrying about, am I getting played on radio or not? What's happening? My whole space now is a much more spiritual zone where I'm like, I just embrace, it's what I call essentially supercharged positivity. And it's just, when I, when I hit the stage, it's like I'm lost completely in the moment. And the audience completely comes with me. And I've sort of tried to um, use that same ideology in my everyday life. I'm basically saying I just say yes to almost everything now and then just stay open for things. So I'm a lot better at knowing who I am and as a result gets, I guess, more successful at it than I've ever been in a weird way because I've just sort of let go of all that baggage. I'm just sort of trying to be free. But I am probably totally in the dark about certain things, the way um, that bands have to operate, like, you know, with the whole social media thing I was talking about before, um, is not really of my generation. And even though so many of my friends, like um, like another future classic artist, G-Flips, she's a really dear friend of mine and mm-hmm. I did... Um, I did the um, One Night Stand on the Triple J concert with her this year. It was just so cool. But some of the stuff she was telling me about what she, she does and how she – and I'm just like, wow, this is just like gobbledygook to me. Yeah. And I, I almost kind of am happy for it to be gobbledygook because I'm happy to take a step back and not really be part of that world. Mm. I think if I needed to learn how to do it, I'd probably, you know, lots of people could tell me how to do it, but I am reluctant. So the answer in short is for the old school questions much better and for the new, no idea. <laughs> interesting. That's yeah. That's no. That's interesting to hear, and I'm 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 glad you gave that answer because it's good to know that the important like long the questions that have longevity you find that you are able to answer those better now than you. Well, were they're before. more important questions. They are way, But yeah. someone told me the other day as well that said it's it's you're in a position because every, you, you, people know who you are. You're successful. That you know that comes from stuff that happened in the past, and you know still things happening. I mean, we we played this huge show at the forum on Saturday, which was an incredible euphoric experience for me and for us but um you're it's not like you're starting mm. but no, like um talking to some of the other artists during the course of this program every a lot of people are starting out and so i feel like i'm learning from them yeah. but the relationship stuff is the same the relationship with self the relationship with the music the relationship with the manager and who you're working with is so important and the, the relationship we all have with each other yeah. the the brotherhood and sisterhood of musicians is such a strong and beautiful thing yeah and we're all kind of supportive of each other. And if you can just think long game, like in terms of um, what am I going to think of myself at the and what I've done at the end rather than necessarily in this moment, yeah. it's a much more tranquil and more real um, road to enlightenment. That's a great answer. Thank you for that. I appreciate it.
how do you approach working with other people and what do you do you get them to play with you live if you could have them play with you live all the time would you like what's the process like yeah so um collaboration and obviously i love being able to work with people have who have a different skill set to my own because it just makes for a better results a lot of the time to be honest with you i actually usually and most of the time prefer working alone i prefer working at home by myself because i get that I can really get into the zone and I feel like when you're when you're for me at least when I'm around other people and I'm and I'm trying to be creative with other people it's difficult for me to get over the certain hump of like they might not appreciate what I'm going <laughs> to yeah, yeah, do yeah. and so there's always like the the ego and there's like the whole like personality mm. and thing and I, none of that exists when you're by no, yourself and nobody really understands yeah. each other's laboratory the way you do well you that's know? right and it's very and I, it's a totally different mindset and a totally different process for when I'm working with other people but that being said when I do work with people and like for example when I worked with Kwame, Kwame mm. sometimes it's really easy and quick and awesome mm. And um, sometimes it's a totally different process. Like with uh, Lunch Money Lewis, we had a studio session together, but we didn't actually work on that song that we made. <laughs> we yeah. worked on something entirely different. And then it was later that he recorded an idea over some over a beat that I'd sent him and he sent that over back okay. when he was in Miami. So the song that we actually released is had nothing to do with the moment that we spent in the room together. Mm. Um, it was Apart it, from the fact that you were... Having a good relationship with this yes. other person and having a good time together, which is a big part oh, of it. Surely, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Surely, even though you like being by yourself, it's nice to be able to interact yeah. personally with the artist that you. I mean, I know. So I'm sure in um, in this world, there's been a lot of tracks that've been done, and the people have actually never even met. You know, yeah. and you wouldn't notice. But but that sense of community. I mean, do you have people? that you like to be around while you say if you're on tour or if you're playing or whatever like in, in yeah. general? Yeah, well, I'm, I, in the past every show I've done has just generally been myself. Um, I've, it's, I actually find, I found for a long time <coughs> touring to be quite a lonely thing Yeah, and it's actually changing now because I'm playing Falls Festival at the end of this year and yep. we actually have a live band coming with me oh, which so cool. we're practicing and putting together at the moment. We've got rehearsals next month and it's like the first time I've ever done anything like that. I'm going to go to the Byron show so I'll come oh, great. see you guys yeah, yeah well sure. I'm really looking forward to it it's um it's gonna be like obviously it's a wave racer show but it's it's a three-piece band mm. um, and we're we're orchestrating and like arranging all the live elements at the moment yeah and you know I'm gonna be playing instruments I'm gonna be playing guitar all that kind of stuff mm. and it's a brand new thing for me which I've never done and I'm actually really excited to see how that pans out um, I'm hoping it's gonna go well we're putting a lot of work into it but uh, in the past, none of that, I'd done none of that. It was all very um, just me with a computer and a controller on stage, yeah. pushing buttons and making things happen. Do you, see, do you see any point in the future where you can even get more compositional in your work, like looking to the point where it's becoming almost like this um, more art and almost less, less pop, less music? Yeah. I'm really glad you asked that question because basically the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I'm always, and particularly now more than ever, looking to create stuff that is actually telling a story and has a purpose and a meaning. And that's kind of the point of art in general, Mm. all kinds of art, not just music. Basically, when I'm creating music, I want to be able to show people how it is that I see the function of music and what is beautiful about it in my eyes and what how it can function in the world and what it's good for. Um, and like that, that's always like a never ending journey. It's like, how do I achieve that? It's like, well, it's all, you can't really, it's not like a destination that you reach. It's something you always have to chase. Um, it's a weird space because 
there's a word in music that never gets spoken in popular music and it's a word that I absolutely love and the word is composer and composition. Mm-hmm. The idea of music being a composition, which is much more, I guess, a piece of art, it can be catchy as fuck, it can be mm-hmm. transcendent, it can be joyous, it can be sad, but as opposed to a song, a composition, and I, I, I feel like a lot of producers are st- getting it, that's a, a space where they're inhabiting, especially when, like I wanted to ask you about live performance and that, that sense of like, I know you're looking forward to your Falls gig, but mm. you still love the, the reaction of an audience that's just going crazy to your shit, don't you? Like Absolutely. that's a beautiful thing, like the same as if you're having a party with your friends. So yeah. that, and I'm sure Beethoven did the same thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's just how the perception, like compared to, it's funny, every single interview I seem to do has a different viewpoint of the same you know, or they're picking different flowers from the same garden, right. you know. Yeah. Um, it's really, really interesting. I'm, I really am looking forward to seeing that show. I'm going to be up. I live really just around the corner awesome. in Byron of the, of the fall site. So yeah. I'll definitely come and yeah, say looking, hi. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I, I mean, I'm nervous but excited for it. So a couple <laughs> of things, a couple of things. Yeah. I love the fact that your name is named after a Nintendo 64 game, yeah. which is so sick. <laughs> I love old video games. Yeah. And I, um, I loved... Um, Sega Mega Drive, um, all video games going way back almost to the Sega Master System where Wonder Boy 3 is one of my favourite all-time games. Oh, okay. Um, also, I wanted to ask you about when you played at the Ultra Music Festival right. and also um, you released your first stuff in 2013 and then you've just released stuff recently. Mm. Um, and what have you been doing in between those times? Yeah, so first thing you asked was about Ultra. Yeah. So Ultra Music Festival, yeah, that was a few years ago now Okay. That, in Miami. Um, that was, I mean, that... What's uh, it like? What's that gig it's like? It's kind of like not really... It's kind of like you're not really on planet Earth. It's yeah, kind of right. a totally different space. <laughs> um, it's something I'll never forget. Um, I played kind of... It's a weird one. I played early in the afternoon, like 2 p.m. or something like okay. that. And it was. it's in Miami, which is like, you know, a crazy place to be in. Um for someone who's like from Sydney, um, and I, I I remember I had like my it was it was the, that tour that I was doing where I had these visuals that I had created where it was like a sort of like a three D animated thing to to kind of correspond with the music that I was playing on stage, and at Ultra, which is like this huge production, like insane amounts of LED walls and crazy stuff like that. They wow. had they had my visuals which I had you know commissioned and designed on these gigantic screens behind me. And it wasn't until later that I saw photos of me playing that I realized that they were even there. Oh, and that is like awesome. Working. And it was just like this spectacle that I was not even anticipating. And it was awesome. I mean, because I was playing at 2 p.m., the crowd was, it was a great crowd. It wasn't a huge crowd, yeah, but that yeah. didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was really great to be able to play at that festival. But just the, the sheer volume of like, production and, and just stuff that you don't it's not something you have all the time yeah um, and that was a crazy experience and I do remember that being being very wild yeah. um, although that being said it was like it's not the type of space that I would normally be in <laughs> so yeah, it was right. a little bit in, in a sense there's a little bit of like anxiety and discomfort associated with that because it's like I don't know what to do in a space like this yeah, where there's so yeah. much craziness around and so many people around. Did you feel like, uncomfortable in some ways? Like, no, no, I didn't feel uncomfortable at the time, but it's not a space that I would normally voluntarily put myself in, <laughs> if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more, I guess, um, I like, you know, more chilled out 
contexts. Yeah, sounds pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, like great for the gig, and yeah. then just let's go yeah, back yeah. to the hotel and have yeah, exactly, have exactly. a glass of wine or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what was the next thing you? Well, asked I just him? wanted to know. I just um, that you released some stuff in 2013, and then there was a bit of a yeah. gap in the center. I just wondered what you're up to in that time. Yeah. So the stuff. I, yeah, I released my first couple of songs in 2013, and then I did a string of you know remixes for other artists, mm. and then I had an EP that came out in 2015, end of 2015. And then a couple more remixes after that throughout 2016 and 17. And then I basically disappeared in terms of my output for the years between mid-2017 till a few months ago when I released so what, you, what did you do? Um, it's, not that, it's not very long. It's no, no. Plenty of time to do nothing and enjoy. Well, it, it was – I wasn't – I was – I've spoken about this before and I, I basically went through a period of, of time where I had to sort of remove myself from being um, like putting myself out publicly. I didn't yeah. – I was – I found – Do you uh, mean in a social media way or in a, just in as an artist way? Uh, both. Okay. So there was the whole like identity thing, problem of like not knowing what it was that I wanted to do next and not knowing who it was – who I was trying to be as an artist mm. and that took quite a while to figure out. Um, and then there was the whole like, you know, anxiety surrounding – if I don't have anything meaningful or exciting to tell people <laughs> in social media, then I'd rather just say nothing at all. Yeah. And do, I kind I, of, do I exist if I'm not saying anything? Well, yeah, the answer is absolutely. Yeah, that, uh, that's a question that I had to, you know, struggle with for a while. <laughs> but it's okay. No, I mean, I, I took time to sort of think about what it was, what my trajectory was going to be and what I wanted to actually achieve. Yeah. Um, and that kind of – and the, the, I'm kind of glad that the first song I put out uh, was Auto yeah. after that break because that song kind of encapsulates – what I was feeling during that time, yeah, and um, I mean, it, it's a very, it's a short and succinct package, but it kind of shows a little bit of an insight into what my mind was thinking during that time. Yeah, and it, it was a, it was a, it was a difficult time because I was going through a, like a lot of anxiety and a mm. lot of, you know, there was a struggle there, but there was also a, a, a very valuable period of growth, I think, because have I, you always struggled with that, like yeah, being anxious. Like I know so many friends of mine, yeah, in the business that do, mm. and. Um, I just really feel for them and just try to spread as much love and support around. I'm always texting other artists I know and saying, fucking I love your shit yeah. and I love you and or if I hear someone on the radio, it's really meaningful and if I get something the same, it, I get that feeling. But it's funny like in another interview I was talking about, isn't it strange how um, people that have anxiety and maybe are introverted are actually drawn to this extremely public place called the stage mm. to expose themselves in front of thousands of people and Strange. it's so common. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I always yeah. say the reason is that the stage is our safe place. For most people, the stage is freak out zone. Oh, my God, what do I do? Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. We feel comfortable there and it's almost like an island of tranquility. Yeah. It, whether, whether there's thousands of people, great. If there's no one there, you've got all your instruments, you've, which is like your furniture. Yeah. It's almost like you've created your own little apartment yeah. In, in, on view and you don't really care who's watching mm. and it gives you great joy um, and almost a bit of a suit of armour to cope against those anxious times. So I hope you're okay, brother. I just wanted to say that. Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing great now and that is a really great way to think about it and you're absolutely right. I'm doing so much better now. Like I'm feeling mm. wonderful now and I'm, I, like, I'm so thankful to be able to have gotten through that and you know, I learned a lot going through that time because mm. people were always asking me during that time, they were like, why are you not putting stuff out, why are you hiding away, why are you not speaking to anyone, are you, people thought I was dead. Like, There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. No, like, I know. It's interesting for yeah. me, it, from, from my perspective, um, on the whole thing of, of artists needing to be public now yeah. and everyone has to be checking how many hits they're getting and who's watching and what they're saying and 
this never used to be the case. This is very much like you could play a show, thousands of people would go to your gig, you'd have a great time and then you could go home and, and just turn yourself off. Yeah. And it's much more difficult to do that now because of the expectation put on by the industry and by yourself and mm. by the public. And I just would say to to you and to, and to any artists out there, if you don't feel like that's your world, I don't think you need to do that. Sometimes people also respond to a sense of mystery. So um, I'm going to ask a couple of simple questions next, but I just want to say thanks for coming on and I just thought this was really great and I can't wait to see it falls and I wish you all the best, Tom. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here and have a great time talking to you. It's thanks, really man. Good. Okay, um, just to finish off, um, I've been asking everyone these questions and um, I wanted to ask the same to you. So the first one is who are you? And the second is who do you think that you will become and, and in another way also as a part B of that second question, um, who would you like to become? Where would you like to go? Okay. So to answer the first question, who am I? Yeah. I'm, my name is Thomas Purcell. I'm an artist uh, otherwise known as Wave Racer. Um, that's who I am. That's, that's, that's my artist project. I am someone who creates music. I'm a music producer. I um, write songs and produce all my own music and sounds. And that's something that I am constantly exploring and growing with. So that's who I am. That is a sick answer, brother. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. And what, good. Could you, what was the second question? The second question is, where do you hope to be in the future? Right. Where will you, what, will, what will you become? And it's almost like I like to split it into two. It's like what do you hope you could become and also what do you think you, be, you mm, could become? Okay. Answer one or both or, right. or nothing. Well, <laughs> it's, it's always hard to look into the future. I don't really know uh, what's going to happen. But I, if where I, do you see yourself? Yeah. You know, my yeah. hope for the future for myself is that I will be able to become a musician and songwriter who is able to create pieces of work that resonate with a lot of people. Like um, I want to be able to, I want to create work that resonates with as many people as possible. And that involves, you know, from an artistic perspective, exploring, uh, exploring concepts and ideas that are common to everybody's lives or most or a lot of people's lives you know concepts and ideas about things that we all experience like love happiness emotion loss heartbreak grief those kinds of things yes um and so i want to be able to effectively and meaningfully incorporate those types of things into my music and i'm not quite i'm still it's something that i have to keep figuring out how to do and i hope in the future that i'll be able to figure that out and, and really refine it into a, a craft well, in finishing, I'd like to say that I think you are a writer, an artist, definitely a composer and absolutely a producer <laughs> and a beautiful guy and I wish you all the best. Ladies and gentlemen, Wave Racer, Tom Purcell. Thank you so much. If you want to hear more podcasts like the Tune In, visit the Pedestrian Podcast Network and subscribe to our channels on iTunes, YouTube and Spotify and all other places where good podcasts are heard. <laughs>